Today, our guest is Dr. Amber James, Assistant Professor of Music at Southern Wesleyan University. She specializes in voice and graduated from the University of Georgia with a Master of Music degree in vocal performance, and then after that, earned her Doctor of Musical Arts degree in vocal performance and pedagogy from the University of Southern Mississippi. As a sought-out voice and piano teacher in various parts of the country, James maintains a full-time studio at SWU, as well as a private teaching uh, studio locally and online. She regularly performs as a soloist in various concerts and recently joined the cast of 24-Hour Musical in their production of Little Mermaid. Since her time on faculty at SWU, she has directed Little Women, Newsies, and Showstopper Spectacular. This year, she will be overseeing a new and titanic undertaking, directing the musical Titanic. Amber, welcome to Moments That Matter. Thanks for having me. So can you give us a little bit of background on your life, uh, how you got into music, how you got into performing, and how you eventually became the professor at Southern Wesleyan? Sure. Um, I grew up in a musical family, grew up as a Wesleyan pastor's kid, so was exposed to music in church. I grew up in the teens and talent competition that is now called Campus Challenge. And so um, I would play piano. I sang, was involved in a large youth choir. I'm from Shady Grove Wesleyan Church in North Carolina. So um, we had a great adult choir and a lot of opportunities So I was introduced to SWU's campus early on, and it was my number one choice of college. So I came in the fall of uh, 1999 um, and was a piano major here and uh, did a music education degree. Um, Following my time at SWU, I moved to Winter Haven, Florida, and was the music teacher at Grace Lutheran School for three years before I came back to the upstate and uh, worked on staff um, as the accompanist and also commuted for graduate school um, to the University of Georgia while living here in the Clemson area. Um, And then uh, through some circumstances, you know, ended up in Mississippi for an opera program, fell in love with that area and that school. And so that's where I went for my doctorate. And when I finished, I went to New York City, where I taught a full time studio of voice and piano students and also performed with a small opera company on the side. So I'm trained in opera but I have a love of theater and have done um, performing in student productions here at SWU when I was a student, Uh, Dr. Paul Schleifer was our director then. And so um, I've just directed and conducted music directed performed and just a myriad of different things. And it's just one of my favorite things to do. And it's definitely one of my favorite things about my job here at SWU. And it's nice to be back third time's a charm. Came as a student, then was on staff, and now I'm back on faculty. And I think that um, I think we're just going to make this home for the rest of the way. So great. I guess I should make clear to our listeners um, who might not be familiar with Southern Wesleyan that we tend to call it SWU, uh, Southern Wesleyan University. So you know, it's just what we do. Okay, so 
That brings us up to uh, modern times. Uh, how were you inspired to choose Titanic as the spring musical for this year? So in 2019, I was driving through Greenville and happened to pass Bob Jones University and noticed they had an advertisement for Titanic the Musical. I didn't even know it was a musical until I saw that. And I just thought the story had potential for a SWOO audience. And so um, I sought out information on a script from the company that owned the rights But for some reason, the script was delayed in the mail for quite a while. And I wasn't really quite sure if it was the right fit for us after Little Women quite yet. Um, I'd always loved Newsies and that story, the movie and the Broadway production. And so I just felt on my heart, okay, Newsies is next. So I just decided um, on Newsies and the script came in the mail for Titanic. We already have the rights to Newsies. So I just kind of put it aside and thought this is for another time. This is for another year. So we are going into what we're calling our 40th anniversary year with student productions. Um, We are basing it off the 1982 um, year um, when student productions actually started being more of a regular thing. And then in 1990, even more, it began to expand. So I knew we needed a show that was grand, that had a lot of music, that we could feature a live orchestra. Um, Some other options that I was interested in, um, big name productions were not available to be licensed. Um, So I was on a shopping trip with Michaela Wickham and Ainsley Pruitt, and we were talking about what are we going to do? This is a big year. And I said, well, you know, I was thinking about Titanic. So we began to listen to the soundtrack and over stakes at Outback, the three of us decided that this was going to be the show for the year. That is awesome. How things happen like that. So as you say, student productions is celebrating 40 years in 2022 Why do you think Titanic is the best fit for this year's celebration? Well, I feel there is a great responsibility in telling this story and to honor those who didn't survive and those who did survive. And then they had to live with this traumatic experience that they went through. Personally, as is shown by what I've done here at SWU so far, I love true stories and portraying them on stage. And I just feel like it's an honor for me as a director, for our students and our community members who will be involved to pay tribute to these lives and these stories and these families. Um, It's very educational. And so that allows us to serve our student body as well as our community of youth and children in the area. Plus student productions has grown very much um, quite significantly the past few years. We have the numbers that are needed for a large cast. It, it won't be hard to cast a big show because we have so many involved. That's a great problem to have. The music by composer Murray Yeston, it's grand, sweeping melodies, luxurious harmonies. They just kind of nestle in your ear and permeate your heart. So I feel like this special year just begs for us to tell the story. And 2022 is the 110th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic as well. So it just all fits nicely together. 
Were there any special surprises along the road to securing the rights for the show? Yes. So there's no guarantee how long it will take to secure the rights to any given show. Um, They consider things like your location and if the show is being done anywhere nearby, they can say no for any reason. They can say yes for any reason. And I had not personally worked with this company yet. Um, It's a different company than we use for Newsies. So I wasn't sure what was going to happen. So I submitted the rights and our application on Monday, April the 12th of this year and was very surprised when that same week on Thursday morning, the paperwork came through and we had been given permission for Titanic. Now, this is significant because the email came first thing in the morning, Thursday, April 15th. The Titanic sank on April 15th in 1912. The timing was perfect. And I just felt, I mean, I knew in my heart that this was the direction God was leading, but that solidified it. Now, yeah, yeah, it was a huge faith move because when the rights came through, they cost over $4,000. So I said a quick prayer. I consulted with my production team and Heath Mulliken, our director of alumni relations. And we all felt this was the direction we should go. So we signed the paperwork. We sent the money that same day. And um, there's an iconic photo, actually, of a newsboy who is holding a paper with the Titanic disaster on the front. And so um, later in that day, in the evening, we released on our social media platform um, that we were going to be doing Titanic with that photo. So it allowed us to tie Newsies into Titanic. And we thought that was really cool. That's awesome. Um, So is the story of the musical similar to the 1997 James Cameron film? So we actually have a Titanic expert um, who is working with us. His name is Dr. Bill Willard. He teaches at UNC Asheville. He often refers to the James Cameron film as Jack and Rose on the love boat. (laughs) okay so the movie and the musical came out the same year um but the stories are not the same so the musical focuses more on the lives of key crew members as well as first second and third class passengers jack and rose do not make an appearance and uh most of the show is um sung or underscored by orchestra so um it's definitely heavy on the music side um and so uh having the experience that you have with newsies what are the challenges launching a production of this magnitude so the first challenge is fundraising financing a show of this size in newton hobson auditorium is our biggest hurdle so since we don't have a traditional theater space here on campus things that we have to do are fly the lighting We have to add in graphics. Um, We have to hire a set designer and people to build the set. We have to gather props, make props, buy props, whatever that looks like. Um, The costumes are another major factor um, in making the costumes and preparing those for the actors. We also have to rent microphones. Um, We do not 
own a lot of the the type of microphones that we need in order for our, our cast to be heard uh, by the audience. So that's a rental fee. We pay the orchestra. Um, these are just a few of the items um, that end up going in our budget. And to give a perspective of it, a live 20 piece orchestra, which is what we're going to have for Titanic of a show this size is going to cost between eight and $10,000. I feel strongly that we use live musicians instead of a track track was an option. Um, but having the live musicians enhances the quality of the show. It also allows us to use some SWU students um, as they're getting experience playing in bands and shows as they prepare for their professional career. And I enjoy giving our students the opportunity to perform with a live orchestra. Not many college age students get to say that, And um, we have a lot of great community theaters in the area, but most of them do not have the resources, the space or the budget to do um, big live orchestras. And so I feel like that's something that sets Southern Wesleyan apart. Excellent. Oh, the second challenge. Okay. There's more than one. (laughs) The second challenge is just managing all the moving parts on a full-time teaching schedule teaching voice privately and uh, through SWU to the students and the directing student productions is like another full-time job. So I oversee every piece of the operation, but fortunately, because we have grown so much, I now have a production team um, and this is made up of former SWU students who carry out jobs in specific areas that then allows me to focus on the overall vision and execution um, I want to give a shout out to my production team. We have Michaela Wickham, Ainsley Pruitt, Katie Cook, Zach Wheeler, Ben Wyant, and Cullen Finley. And we are getting ready to launch a student production team internship for current students to work with these members to learn the ropes of what goes on backstage. How do I stage manage? What's needs to be done for lighting. How do I make props? Can I help with costumes? What can I help paint? What can I build? It's just turning into a huge operation. Um, And so I'm really grateful that they have signed on to be part of this this year. Um, Many of them you will remember seeing on stage in Newsies or in other shows here. So it's great that we can use students who have graduated but still live nearby to help. I also want to mention Carol Cinnamon. We could not do anything without her. She is in charge of our costumes. She has a crew of ladies that work year round. They've been working this summer, cleaning out costumes, pulling costumes for Titanic. And she just takes care of all of that. And she does such a great job and she's been doing it for decades. And so I just want to thank her publicly for that. And the easiest part, Paul, is working with the students and the community members who are cast. The talent is astronomical here at SWU and our surrounding community members who choose to participate. And so I'm really blessed to be a part of that. I am so impressed. This is a mammoth undertaking. This is absolutely incredible. I think it's so great. We get sort of a behind the scenes look already. Um, I'd love to just go back a minute and ask what the typical process is for securing rights for a musical, because that seems like it happened rather quickly. Is that typically the timeline or how does it normally go for securing rights? 
Well, musicals um, are owned by, you know, companies like a, the musical writer, like whoever writes the book and the music, they will um, then put that with an organization um, such as Newsies was licensed by Music Theater International, um, MTI for short. And MTI has a lot of musicals. They tend to do a lot of Disney's. Um, they end up with the Disney musicals, which Newsies is one. Um, Titanic is owned by a company called Tams Whitmark. And um, so it's it's like an online application and you have to fill in how many seats are in your theater, how many tickets you're going to sell, how many performances you have, um, what the price of the ticket is going to be. And depending on that information, that is that's how the number for the rights for you to do the show, they get that number from that. So, um, you know, it was a little cheaper for Newsies because we couldn't sell as many tickets due to the pandemic. And we are expecting to be able to sell more for Titanic. And so, um, you know, the more performances you have, the more you have to pay. And that's another thing. People have already asked, why don't you do two weekends? This is such a big show. I mean, when when Bob Jones did the show, their director told me they sold out. Or he either said they sold out or it was their best selling show in their 75 year history. And so we know it's going to be prime time. Like everyone's going to want to come see the show, but we can't go to two weekends because we share the auditorium with chapel and other um, areas on campus. And it would be twice as much money, um, twice as much exposure, twice as much ticket money, but it would be twice as much upfront. And that's just not something that we can do. Maybe in the future. So we used to do two weekends, for our shows when we were located in Folger Auditorium, but that's a smaller venue and those times were different and it wasn't as expensive as now being in the large auditorium. I'm already seeing the hashtag now. We demand two weekends. That's going to be trending and it's going straight to the top. Oh dear. All right. Listen, I'd be happy to do it if we can make it work. Totally. Um, Tell me this. I would love to know a little bit more about Titanic Con. What was that like? Life-changing. Okay, so this past May, um, I heard from a man in the Anderson community named Dave DiGeronimo, um, and he'd heard about our production and contacted me because he's interested in being involved. Um, And so he is friends with Dr. Bill Willard, who is our Titanic expert. And so he connected us. Well, Bill has been studying the Titanic since the 70s. And he actually designed the submersible camera used in the 1998 expedition of Titanic. Okay. He, um, you may, some people in the area of the upstate may be familiar with his name because he taught decades at Seneca high school, but now is located in Asheville and he's on faculty at UNC Asheville up there. So Bill and I started talking and he said, you know, I have this Titanic conference. It's called Titanic Con. They couldn't do it last year due to the pandemic, but I think this was their eighth year, seventh or eighth year, something like that. And um, he posts it in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is just a three hour drive from us. So people from all over the world attend to present uh, to participate in special presentations that are given by experts in the field and direct descendants. We get to hear 
from Frankie Goldsmith Jr., whose father was a young boy on the Titanic. And so to have a first generation descendant speak at the conference was a huge treat. So we have descendants. um, We get to tour the museum, the Titanic attraction there. Um, And so we were invited to bring a group of students, community members, basically whoever we could round up and wanted to do it um, to the conference to sing some of the music from the show as a preview. Okay. Um, So we had a small group of SWU students. We had alumni and some friends from the Anderson theater community join us. So I made uh, rehearsal tracks for everyone to learn their music. And we did four rehearsals. And off we went to Tennessee, and we were there last weekend, the last weekend of August. We got to sing at a special dinner held at the attraction, and the students were very well received. Um, Mary Kellogg Jocelyn, who is co-owner of the museum, was in attendance and just was blown away, gave our kids a standing ovation, spoke directly into their lives and inspired them. Um, and then the next day we gave a 45 minute brief program to the conference attendees. Just as a little preview, we were able to share with them Southern Wesleyan and our goals, um, for student productions this year. And we've had a lot of people say, we want to give, we want to be part, or we want to come see your show. And they live all over the country. So it was a great time of learning. We made a lot of new friends. And got to share SWU, like I said, with people who not heard us before. It was a highlight and it got us really excited for this process. And I'm going to be sharing this podcast with this group. Um, I just want to give a shout out to them that they really made a difference in our lives. And we really appreciate them. So uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the research process um, that you went through? And then in particular, um, your favorite resources from that research? So um, a topic of this magnitude, it's, I always feel like I don't have enough time to really absorb everything that I want to. So I just keep uh, working away at it little by little. There's a lot of resources out there. I always suggest for people to start with Walter Lord's books. Um, He wrote two and there they give a really good foundation. They're also the books that the 1950s film A Night to Remember was based off of. I'll talk more about that in a second. But um, currently I'm reading Peggy Weirgo's book called The Stars in April. Um, and it's, you know, based off of a Titanic passenger, Ruth Becker, um, with some added, you know, some added flair, I guess we'll say. And I got to meet her at the conference and she presented and that was a treat. Um, Like I said, the movie A Night to Remember um, that came out in the 50s, we watched that at a movie theater while at the conference. I'd never seen it before. It's in black and white. Great movie. And, you know, we get to the end of the movie and I said, it didn't break apart. Like when the Titanic sank in the movie, it just came up on its end and sank. We didn't know that the Titanic actually broke into pieces until they found it in the mid eighties. 
and I, I said to one of the experts, I'm like, well, didn't the people from the lifeboats tell everyone what they saw? But evidently they were not believed. So it wasn't until the mid 80s when Titanic was found and the two pieces were, I'm not sure quite how far away from each other, but it was very obvious that it had broken in two before it sank down to the ocean floor. Uh, Dr. Bill Willard has also written books on Titanic, and I know he's finishing a book right now on the Outer Bull, I believe, 14, which is um, the 14 Irish people from the same village that were on the Titanic to immigrate to America. And so he is an expert um, on that, and he has several resources. But my advice for anyone who wants to learn more and kind of prepare themselves for seeing the show is to start, is to start with Walter Lord's books. Because you can't go wrong. I'm curious, will there be any educational opportunities throughout this process of bringing Titanic to the stage? And is this something that families would want to bring their children to? Absolutely. So student productions here at SWU, we strive to bring quality family entertainment on stage for all SWU shows. I know Titanic, the content is a little heavier Um, But it is going to be appropriate for children. I believe they start learning about Titanic in third grade. Um, So we are going to plan some educational activities prior to each performance that will be fun and engaging for the younger ones. So you can show up a little early and let your kids get a little involved um, and then they get to come in and see the show. Um, we're going to also work with Dr. Bill Willard and providing some educational opportunities in the weeks prior to the show just to, um, you know, enhance community engagement. Um, and, you know, with anything, I mean, the musical, there are definitely some some characters portrayed maybe in ways that people disagree with. Um I mean, you're always going to have that whenever you're telling a true story. You also have characters who were real. And then you'll have some characters, especially in second and third class, who are an amalgamation um, of several. And so it's um, everyone can kind of take it. You know, as it comes and as a director, it's my responsibility as well to cast this vision um, of what we want to do. And so we're still kind of deciding what that's going to look like. So, yes, there will definitely be opportunities. And we want parents to know that this will be a great show for your kid to attend. We'd love it. Amber, can you tell our listeners where to get information on the auditions and when tickets go on sale? Sure. So we are going to announce auditions in the next few weeks, and they're going to be the latter part of October. Information will be published in SWU News, on our social media accounts, on our website. Um, If you're an on-campus student, you will see it pop up on the various television screens that we have in our buildings It's important for folks to know that auditions are open to all students and community members and tickets will go on sale by March 1st next year. And our performance dates are March 24th through 26th. We have four shows. Three of them are at 730 p.m. And then we have one matinee on March 26th at 2 p.m. Okay, that's awesome. And uh, 
Can you explain the ways uh, listeners can support student productions this year? First of all, come see our shows. Come see our fine arts events. That would be a great first way. Um, Our goal this year is to raise $60,000 for student productions. To put that in perspective, we raised about $20,000 for Newsy. So donations of any amount are accepted. They're also tax deductible. We're going to be launching a giving campaign on social media. So if you don't already like us and follow us, SWU Fine Arts on Facebook and Instagram. Um, We're going to create a special space in our program to honor loved ones who have passed. So an in memoriam type section. So if you'd like to give in honor of a loved one who has passed, we'd love to include a special piece in our program for them. Uh, We have online giving options available for those who want to use a credit card um, through our swoo.edu slash giving page. And you can choose where you want to give and you would just choose student productions in that drop down menu. Um, There are marketing benefits um, for businesses and churches. Um, So if your business wants to sponsor and have an ad in our program, we also have tickets that go along with that. And depending on the sponsorship level, um, you know, there are various benefits to your business to advertise for your business and, and, saying thank you for your support um, for our production. So that's an option. We have giving levels for every budget and every gift, no matter how big or small, helps us reach our goal. Um, I tell people if they have questions, um, the best thing to do is to reach out to me personally at my email at ajames at slu.edu, and then I can guide you to the correct option. Um, we will be putting our sponsorship levels up with our campaign on social media as well, and it's not too early to get involved. Um, so we are we are looking forward to just seeing um, – all that happens, we need our community, we need our friends, we need our businesses, we need our churches um, to help. And we're grateful for whatever you feel like you can give. So, Amber, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? Sure. There are two main things. Um, we have a performance coming up next month, October 8th and 9th. Um, it's our third annual Showstopper Spectacular um, we ha- are performing this in conjunction with our homecoming weekend here at Southern Wesleyan. So we have two shows there at 7 p.m. on Friday, October 8th, Saturday, October 9th, located in Newton Hobson Chapel and Fine Arts Auditorium on our campus here at SWU. Our theme this year is Magical Moments. It's a free event and it's going to feature music from Broadway shows, films, Disney music, which I can say on the podcast, but I can't put it on the poster. So I can say it here. There will be Disney music. And we have other popular genres represented. We have a cast of 60 with a live band. It's a great evening out for the entire family. You can learn more about how you can support us this year. Um, We are currently asking our audience members to prepare to wear a mask indoors. Just as we slow the spread, keep everyone safe. And so that's one thing I definitely want to make sure people know. 
The second um, has to do more with our expert, Dr. Bill Willard. There will be a VIP reception prior to all four shows in the spring that Dr. Bill Willard will be showcasing authentic memorabilia and artifacts. This is going to be for our top donors and invited guests. And it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to talk to an expert and see some of these items that are valuable. So we really appreciate him partnering with us in that. And so this would be great for, for families and businesses, you know, because that VIP ticket has a lot of tickets associated with it. And um, we just love to have as many people as we can be able to attend that. So if you're interested in that, you can also reach out to me personally. That's all very exciting. We're so glad that you could join us today, Amber, um, and the, it, just that there's so much happening at Southern Wesleyan and in the community, and uh, we look forward to the event next month and then, of course, uh, for the spring. And uh, we just want to thank everyone who's listening for joining us on Moments That Matter. Our hope is for you that you decide to make every moment matter today and every day. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Moments That Matter, a podcast that looks at the moments in our lives that come along from time to time that have consequences long after the moment, especially those moments that have to do with the choice of vocation. In his book, Let Your Life Speak, Listening for the Voice of Vocation, Parker Palmer speaks of a clearness committee in the Quaker tradition, wherein a group of older, wiser people ask questions of someone considering a life choice as a way of clarifying the next step. We may not meet with a committee about these big decisions, but we all have these critical junctures in our lives, which we can think of as clearness committee moments. We need to pay attention to these moments because they are profound and potentially life-altering. We'll relay stories from our lives and interview others about theirs, especially noting the clearness committee moments those we choose to recognize, and those that were sadly ignored, those decisions that were made with God in mind, and those that were not. Our hope is that these podcasts will cause you to think of the same kind of moments in your life with new clarity.